2: Hey, hello. Welcome to episode number 110 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. As I record this, it's bank holiday Monday. Minus one. Minus one. Yesterday, we was in the garden with a family having barbecue, wearing t-shirt and shorts. Unlike a Brit to be moaning about the weather. Firstly, as ever, Patreon supporters. Thank you, both new and old. We couldn't produce this podcast without you and it really is very much appreciated. And if you'd like to support the podcast for as little as £3 a month, just go to the Ministry of Arts bio, and you can follow the link there. We're just a week away of the loosening of the lockdown rules. Lovely to have a little glimmer of something on the horizon, right? And thank you for all the love we had for last week's episode, Chelsea Lee Winterbottom. That was one that seemed to strike a chord with a lot of people. But anyway, getting back to this week's episode... Some time ago, I was lucky enough to sit down and have a good old chinwag with award-winning writer, comedian and actor, Katie Wicks. As far as her acting roles go, she played Daisy in Not Going Out, Carol in Staffelette's Flats, Mary in Ghosts and good old Sarah Ferguson in The Windsors. And if you're a fan of Taskmaster at all, you'll know that in Series 9 she stomped home winning every creative task. And in 2018, Katie plucked up the courage to enter her first artwork into the Royal Academy's summer exhibition. And her work was hung. I also saw one of Katie's portraits at Fiomano Class Christmas Before Last. It was an exhibition of artwork from comedians. It was called Art is the Best Medicine, curated by Annie McGrath. But pretty much all of what I've just mentioned you're going to hear in this podcast anyway. So please, come and join me over Zoom. As I went to make Katie Wicks.
3: The goal is if I can actually open the laptop and begin, I'm usually fine. But yeah. so I started doing this thing where I think right, I'll put like the telly on, the radio on, really quietly, and I almost concentrate better when there's noise sometimes because yeah. I think it's like I'm tricking myself that I'm not really working. It's like I'm half looking rather than just like I am doing it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like
3: sometimes the distraction is. Um, It puts space between me and the thing and makes me feel less anxious about it. Like, oh, I'm just having a little play. I'm not really. Whereas sometimes when it's like, no, this is work time. Oh, it's just the pressure of it feels the silence is like deafening. Well, funnily enough, that's how I got
2: into podcasts was that I can't listen to music because I end up singing along. But, oh, right. So I had to have like Radio 4 on or something that was talk radio or audio books, something yeah, that's in the background. Um, then I got introduced to podcasts and then I saw that there was little or few uh, art podcasts about where they're actually interviewing people because I like yeah. to sort of know people's backstories.
3: I'm so great. I've been so grateful for podcasts during the pandemic. I, I do like, I was saying this to someone the other day, like, I hardly listen to music anymore because I, the first thing I'll do is put on a podcast, like in the morning, last thing at night. Like I have one on a, like a sleep timer and I
2: listen to it at night. So any. Anyway. Well, my one's, this one's gone a bit sort of mad today, really. It's my hundredth episode is out today.
3: Oh, I feel so And uh,
2: <laughs> And because um, I've done a poll about six weeks ago to who I should try and get on you know any, anyone that comes up on top I'll try and get them. it's only a few phone calls away hopefully you know yeah and um it I come out on top and uh, a few of us said like try and do it so that I interview me and uh, right. I, th- I thought that'd be pretty easy and man it was like uh no 2 hours worth of recordings took like 30 mm-hmm. hours yeah. to edit and my god I've I've been sort of inundated today you know it's been That's uh, amazing it's been quite There's something thing.
3: about like monologuing isn't there that like Allows you to speak for some reason, it makes me think of, um, you know, when you're about to sort of start a tangent, you think, is this worth it? But I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> like, I can't remember what podcast it was, but I heard this thing about after the tsunami, there was this thing where they put up like grief phone booths where you could go in, pick up a phone. There's no one there, but you could just talk like if you if you needed to talk to someone. Yeah. Um, But you didn't, but it was too much to talk to a person. There were these phone boxes where you could basically just talk, like talk to the dead kind of thing was the idea down the phone. It's such a beautiful idea. It's sort of almost like a semi art installation, but also kind of therapeutic. But yeah, just made me think of that.
2: Um, I have seven questions that I ask each artist. Love it. Great. The first would be, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? god that's a that's a a big one um
3: well I guess there's primarily you know like what I'm known for but then there's the stuff that I do which probably isn't known which is probably I some of it I definitely couldn't call art put it that way (laughs) (laughs) so like um I mean, for me it's like it all comes from the same place, which is basically like as long as I have a as long as I have some form of self-expression and I have a creative outlet, then I'm sort of it's like if I'm not making something, I get really down. And that's when like it life doesn't get great for me. So it's almost like it keeps me sane that I have to be making and creating. So yeah, like acting and writing, I do and mainly comedy but the writing, like this book I've just written, it's kind of like memoir, but kind of auto fiction. Like I've just made stories out of things that have happened to me. And that was sort of more like an attempt at kind of prose poetry almost. It's not really going for comedy. So that's been quite an intense creative process. But in terms of um, kind of like fine art, I suppose, I've started painting again. I started in painting a lockdown. I used to paint more and then I just left it for ages and ages. I'm not sure why. But um, recently I've taken it up again. So, yeah, I do kind of bits and bobs really. Like a bit of, well, what I really wanted to do in the pandemic was to sculpt, but I don't have enough room in my flat. So that's why, that's the only reason I painted. Like I'm a really average painter and I really wanted to sculpt. <laughs> that's like the well, thing I really want to paintings do.
2: It's quite, quite sculptural though.
3: Yeah, I I know what you mean, but I really want like I just love I I really wanted to make something three D,
2: and
3: um that's the weird thing like I bought all these canvases and I spent ages painting them and I enjoyed painting the canvases more than I did the the paint the actual like figurative (laughs) stuff, and I was like oh I'm doing the wrong thing here because all I wanted to do was just paint the canvases in block colors yeah. And that I just could have done that all day, and then I thought I should, actually what I want to be is a painter decorator. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> really a roller.
3: And I thought, well, I can't just sell people like canvases with anyway. So I'm going to try some more abstract stuff because I think that's really what I was interested in. Because um, I kept painting the canvases just different colours and spent ages mixing the colours, and I spent ages getting the background right. And then I was a bit like, oh, what's going to go on it? Oh God. It's going to have to look like something um but yeah I've really discovered like I, in fact I did a couple of courses as well so this isn't even answering the, que- the question but uh yeah no I'll shut up so that's I think that's what I do well that's a bit of a tease what courses did you do so I did history of aesthetics um which was brilliant I loved it was like eight evenings and that was um it was a St. Martin's one, but actually they've teamed up with University of Arts London, I think. I can't remember which, what it comes under. But anyway, that was really, really great because um, like I didn't go to art school or anything. I don't really have much theory. I loved it. It was really fascinating. Sort of started with Aristotle, went all the way up to present day. And it's obviously just touching the surface over eight evenings. But I really God, it was so fascinating I'm so glad I did that and then I just did like a couple of weekend painting courses like acrylics um yeah again because I don't have much like technique my my dad painted and my grandfather painted not professionally but you know they were just hobbyists but so I yeah that's why I kind of started but I I don't I wish I had more like technical knowledge
2: I don't at all And was it watching them that made you want to do it? Were they figurative?
3: No, not really. They were, um, well, it was a mixture of like, so my dad, um, when I was really little, he used to, do you remember in the back of magazines, like you used to be able to send off the things. I remember like in the back of the Radio Times, there were like these sort of Chinese hand-painted plates and you'd get like one a week. Oh,
2: yeah, 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 of course, yeah.
3: Well, my mum used to get those plates. I think she thought they were really, like, classy. And um, my dad, and I don't know what the magazine was, but he used to send off, like, these posters of the old masters. And you'd get, you'd get made, like, five posters would come each week. And um, when I was quite young, I was really obsessed with them. Um, they were so, I think they were so dramatic and eerie, the Caravaggios and things like that. And they told a story. And I was quite obsessed with those old religious paintings as well when I was young. Just because it was like a it was theatrical, I think. It was yeah. like a stage. Because they were at they trained as actors, my parents, but they hadn't, they they gave up when they had kids. So they kind of had a lot of unfulfilled creative yeah. yearnings, up, yeah. I guess. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, my dad used to paint in the shed and it, and it used to stink of uh, oil paint, you know, turpentine, all those like amazing heady smells. But I think I wasn't really interested in painting. I was interested in making stuff. I used to, just, I really like sculptural stuff. I didn't really paint till I was like doing GCSE art, to be honest. I think it's like that thing of like, you don't want to do what your parents are doing necessarily. Yeah. But my grandfather, weirdly, and I was thinking about this the other day, he used to paint copies. And I don't know whether that's a thing people used to do. It feels like...
2: Yeah, all artists have done it to try and get the feel of the the the, the brush marks and the movements. Of oh, is the, that
3: why? Because yeah. But he ne- it was weird because he never did any... I can't remember him doing a single original painting. It was like, I think it was just, he was a hobbyist and he had a little tiny studio and um, it was quite scary. So you weren't really allowed in. But when I did go in, I just remember there'd be like his easel and then whatever it was on some kind of twee yeah. print, and he would just copy them. And I remember finding it like just really weird. Um, dear, yeah, that he never did. I understand, like if you're going to do it as practice, but to never to only just do copies is well. There's artists who work funny.
2: who only copy, and
3: then but they're, but they're not not in a fraudulent way,
2: just. I've well, done right. an interview with a guy last week who yes. was an ex-forger.
3: Oh, he, my God, I listened to that. That's fascinating. He's,
2: he's, he's quoted as painting more L.S. Lowry's than L.S. Lowry. Oh, <laughs> my God. That's um, so funny. Okay, while I was talking to him, just here on his wall, I could see, like, the bottom of a um, a painting. And I said, oh, what's that one behind you? And he's tilted his computer <laughs> a little bit. And it was a um, Leonardo da Vinci's portrait of christ that went a little while ago for 450 million Shit. and then i saw one just off screen there over on the side he turned it round. he had two picassos there he turned it 180 degrees <laughs> there was a couple of ellis lowry's a big damien hurst spin painting there was fucking loads in there but he um he now doesn't as genuine copies he does right 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 he does you know, honesty. honestly he puts their um signature in the bottom right hand corner he does it on a brand new canvas, so it can be noticed as 21st century, and he puts his signature and mark on the on the back. You know? but, I um,
3: mean, what a skill! I mean, like you—that's quite a skill, isn't it, to be able to copy like that?
2: That's. Yeah, well, he, he says now that he can do an LS Lowry. He's done so many of them that he can just do them. Going I, just,
3: I mean, if you're going to copy anyone, Lowry's quite—that's quite handy, isn't it? That's yeah, quite quite yeah. simplified shapes. <laughs>
2: um yeah so copying <laughs> is a legitimate thing a lot of what a lot of people do they want if they own a, a, a renowned painting they don't want to hang it in their home they want to put it away in storage for safekeeping yeah but have a copy of it in their home you the know, status as a, yeah as, as I love a,
3: to see a, the only, yeah that makes sense God, yeah.
2: Yeah. when you uh, go to look at art online and, yeah. and i've seen that on your Instagram, you've got a hell of a lot of art. You've got more art on your Instagram than a lot of artists on now.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. I joined I when I joined it, I was like, oh, I don't really know why I'm joining this. Like, I'm not really I'm not taking many selfies. Not really. It kind of makes me cringe taking selfies. Anyway. And then the more time I spent on it, I was like, oh my God, this is an amazing place. Because yeah. it's just all visual. And I started discovering actually not so much um artists I previously I, I discovered a lot of illustrators there's so many particularly female illustrators on there um so I was following all these illustrators and then I was following all these accounts that just had really interesting weird images that I was obsessed with and then I was and then a couple of like you know also really good artists but yeah it's amazing for that it's like um it, it's like a real catalogue of of uh yeah, and that's that's kind of why I'm on it now. I'm on it for my friends and seeing artists that I love who I I wouldn't have known about.
2: I did go to a show that had you in it. Um, the art is the best medicine. Oh, Annie McGrath. Annie's, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was that little Oprah, wasn't it? That's it, yeah. Yeah. I saw uh, Annie sent me um, some images of the artwork and then I went down to interview her for this
3: yeah great
2: and um, I got down there and, she, and they, they was just hanging it at the time I think it was the day before the show yeah. and I walked in and I saw yours I think yours was yours on the wall in front as you walked in it was um it was yeah, little... go it was at the back sort of yeah. on the, yeah it was and at the back yeah. I saw it and it made me smile because I figured it was so Huge. big <laughs> yeah and then I walked in and I saw it and I thought well there you go that's um that's because i of looking at everything on your phone <laughs> And was no like- that's
3: it no sense of scale I left it I think I left it quite late and I thought <laughs> this would take less time but actually that all the detail ends up taking longer yeah I, I enjoyed doing that yeah I, I um I was looking at you know you get those um those Indian miniatures
2: yeah
3: yeah I, I was looking at those and uh I love miniatures anyway there was an exhibition maybe a few years ago i never made it you know that thing when you make a note of something and then you go oh shit that exhibition of miniature portraits and it and it closed it's like finished,
2: you know? yeah three weeks
3: yeah later. i'm always doing that but um i don't know much i know that the, like elizabethan portraits it's like if you were going you're going on an expedition and you want to take a you know your loved one with you as a keepsake i know that's sometimes why they made those little portraits um but again that's a course i'd love to do is to learn how to do those like indian amazing point. but they're always in profile and they're always yeah. really colorful and that's what i was thinking of with with like a tiny i mean i've got another one up there but anyway well this is a podcast there's no point in me showing
2: you so. <laughs> well a friend of mine rob monday he's trying to bring miniatures back mm. but, um, oh, who isn't he's, he's, he's uh, yeah he's <laughs> one of the um, world's leading holographers uh, he makes holograms have you seen the hologram of the queen it was her first hologram. Oh yes, it, yes I have. stunning. It, it it literally stopped me in my tracks when I walked into the wow. apartment. He had he got it out for me, and I walked in and he'd put it on the floor. It, it's it's like she's in a in a little box because you can move yeah. and you can see all around him. It's amazing. But he's making little or trying to make little holograms to oh, enjoy, bring the miniatures incredible. back again
3: it kind of reminds me like the first time I saw 3d printed people yeah it reminds I there's something really delicious about miniatures I don't know what it is like I've heard different theories about it that it's like a feeling of control because it's sort of like being like you know in charge of your own little universe um I'd forgotten how much I loved like miniatures until like me me and um if uh, Ellie White, uh, you should get her on this. She's a, a comedian. She's a really, really talented painter. We went to a, a Doll's House exhibition together <laughs> about three years ago. And we sort of knew it was gonna be twee in sort of middle England, but we sort of wanted to go anyway, cause it would be kind of a bit ironically, but it's yeah. sort of, be, it's just a kind of weird world you want to enter. Cause, and um, it was incredible, it was fascinating. It was just like all these trestle tables with all these people that handcrafted, miniature, everything. And then it was all, for some reason, they always seem to be kind of Victorian. And, and then there was this one woman who made um, just stuff, like contemporary stuff, but tiny. And I yeah. thought, yeah, that's actually really kind of brilliant that you're, you're making like a tiny iPhone. like that. you know
2: that after a while, their mind just thinks in miniature, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's yeah. how they think after a while. Have you seen Roy's People or Slinker Chew? They do the. They get yeah. the little railway figures. Let me write that down. No, that sounds great. One's Roy's people, the other is Slinkerchu. I don't know how. or well, I think it's just how, it's, how it sounds. But they get the little railway people that are probably sort of like a centimetre and a half, and yeah. they put them in different environments. So that oh, they like cracking yeah. the, in the pavement and or they're yeah. selling down a curb or something. I, you know?
3: That's. I've definitely seen that on Instagram. I didn't know what that was called, but yeah, it kind of reminds me of like, do you remember the guy that was painting um, uh, chewing gum on the floor a few years oh, ago? Oh yeah,
2: there's a few of those.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a few of them now, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I planned to go to Amsterdam over Christmas. Obviously it didn't happen. It was a plan made, you know, before all this. And um, the street that we had our Airbnb on, it's, fam- it's famous for having all these small houses in a crack in the wall. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen you know that. About have you because I was like oh my
2: god I've seen them myself I've seen them online
1: but I was a bit bit like oh this is them
2: as well isn't there
3: yeah and stuff like that is sometimes it's some I think it's a sense of um there's something really secretive about that isn't there that it's like if you kind of if you're an observant person you'll be rewarded with this little like present if you sort of pay attention I like I like that idea that's nice so anyway, yeah, miniatures. It, it's also the practicality, like I said. Of you know, I've got quite a. It's quite a average size flat for that. It's not. It's not big, so it's. Well, that's it's what you practical. need to do then,
2: isn't it? You know, you're saying that you want to work with sculpture. Work with miniature sculpture. Have you seen? Yeah. the guy Who who carves into like matchet? No, sorry, the, the nib of a pencil. Pencils. Yeah, I've seen that pencil oh, guy. In hell.
3: Yeah. Well, I. I mean, I was obsessed with. Um, do you remember FI- Fimo? That clay.
2: But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um
3: I was always uh obsessed with that as, as a kid. So it's kind of it's it's sort of exactly the same as making things out of FIMO. Yeah, but anyway, scale, I don't know how we started talking about scale, but yeah.
2: <laughs> Royal Academy, you had you got an artwork in there, didn't you?
3: I know, it was nuts. It was Great. Cool? It was so cool. Well, do you know what it was like um so my dad died be- just before it happened. Oh and sorry you know, he would have been so proud. He would have been so proud. And mum was in the process of dying just as it happened. So they, they died very close together. So it was, um it was really moving for that reason, because he would have, you know, he would have just been in, he would have welled up, I think with, nice. yeah. I mean, it was, um yeah, I entered two and uh one wasn't, yeah, looking back wasn't as good, but I think that, I sort of feel like if it hadn't have been that year and if it hadn't have been Grayson and yeah. if it hadn't have been the theme, because I think they said they wanted kind of humorous stuff. And, you know, when I sort of doing myself down, I kind of feel like, because it was kind of humorous and it was pink and it was a bit of, bit camp image I don't think it would have got in because I remember going back the next year and it was quite monochromatic and serious it almost like it had gone the other way and I remember thinking like yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't have stood a chance
2: in this this grown-up one it's handy to know what they're looking for before they definitely Definitely. do it it?
3: I'm glad I checked I'm glad I looked because I sort of when I read the kind of yeah the sort of blurb on the website I sort of thought uh, no, I reckon, I reckon this is my kind of, this is my time. Uh, it was, it was overwhelming. And at the time, I think because I was dealing with dad and stuff, I actually don't think I had the brain space to kind of take it in.
2: Yeah.
3: I went around and just sort of looked at it and was just like, holy fuck. Oh my God, <laughs> in this fucking room and it had a really good spot and it was quite big. So it wasn't like, um, you know, that that was mad that it would take up that much wall space. Yeah. And then it was only a few months ago. I've got like the booklet here and I picked it up and I sort of went, Oh my God, like that's actually amazing. Because at yeah. the time I think I was just dealing with dad and stuff. So it was a little bit like I couldn't really but yeah, I'm i I'm really, really proud. That was that was a mad moment. It was your first go, wasn't it? Yeah, first go. Um Brilliant. I know, right? I know, I I've know. Gone five
2: times. Ne- yeah,
3: I'm, I've got mates that have been doing it forever. I know, I know. No, I feel bad. I've, it feels like a fluke. Um, I got, I like got I said.
2: Back once.
3: Oh, yeah, and, yeah.
2: And I had to sort of, um, I, I went through to the next stage. Yeah. And then it didn't get in. But just sort of half, oh, I, I oh, never got in there this year by proxy, in unbeknownst to me. Um, an artist done a uh, um, a portrait of me last year. Really? He put that in and it got through, but it didn't get hung because they get they get about 10% too many artworks. Oh, I didn't know um, that. So that they could shuffle them around. And even if you get through to the hanging, you don't yeah. necessarily get hung. And
3: oh, mine, God, that makes
2: me feel even more special. <laughs> <and> mine, <laughs> yeah, thanks for rubbing it in. And, <laughs> My yeah, head's even bigger now. And uh, yeah, mine didn't get, didn't quite get there but that was by an oh. artist called do you know wilfred wood yes yes i do it yeah done it. oh god of me. love his and, um, stuff That's amazing a, yeah and he does a lot with yeah. um with with clay and plastic. Yeah,
3: plasticine and stuff did you know the artist um do you know what? i'm so bad at names it's 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 like being trapped in a in uh,
2: explain their work i might um, know their work
3: her name is oh I had it Shona, she's an american artist she makes massive paper paper mache sculptures
2: of women usually it, quite big women showing them her provocative, they might be in provocative um yes yeah. yeah
3: yeah with like sometimes they've got like um yeah like in the bath or they're like in yeah, bed or something yeah. they're they i think they're incredible um what made me think? Of, oh, yeah, just like the idea of the paper mache was amazing. She posted a video of her, like, her sort of making it, and it's actually a really lengthy process with like loads of layers and loads of sanding down. So, yeah, it's it's harder than it looks. When
2: you but... see artists using the likes of paper mache and plasticine, mm-hmm. and it's it's what we think as childhood um, totally. materials that makes. Makes it feel like the artwork is more accessible to, to oh, the maker, good. isn't it? You know.
3: Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's also um, it takes away for me weirdly. It also takes away some of the kind of shame of like um, like if I want to do something, but it feels kind of childish. Yeah. It of sort of makes me feel like there's no shame in connecting to that inner child. Like, oh, I just want to do this. I just want to like splurge paint around today. Or, you know, I, I want to make something that's kind of innocent and sweet. Like, it, it kind of makes me feel like, yeah, exactly. Like, it's the skill, not the material. Like that's why I
2: got into um, conceptual art. Wow. Nice.
0: Yeah.
3: What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds.
2: and draw in the yeah. traditional sense and then i come by um sensations oh yeah which, which happened at the time it, and do you know mona her name. she had a colander with nuts and bolts in all the holes and when i oh, saw no. it i was like i was like what the fuck's this this is a trip to BQ in yeah. in a 10 pound note you know yeah and then um and then I, d- I don't know do you know anything about my backstory a little bit right so uh, did you know i was in jail I only knew that, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I knew That's the big, the big bit. Right. So <laughs> a little
3: I bit, in- I mean the main, the
2: main, the main <laughs> yeah. bit. But, right. So I was in jail for quite a long time, right? I got into art in there and then um, sensations happened. They brought the catalogue in. Mona had to, and this was a, a postcard that was uh, used as a, like a bookmark in there. And yeah. I was like, what What the fuck is this? This This is a trip to being q you know? And um, the tutor said, well, rather than just slag it off, take the catalogue back to the back to your cell and have a read and I'm reading it and the same thing again there was cows cutting off and i joked yeah. that there was a bloke on d-wing in for simile, you know um <laughs> there was Tracy Eming's tent to me it was a tent you know and, and, yeah. and a bit of embroidery yeah and then come to this colander and they did already said it was probably like upwards of, of five six seven grand and then I've read there was a little um, statement about the artwork and it said that um, where she was um, Lebanese, she'd come to the UK um, because of the change of um, government at home. She couldn't go back. She was an educated woman. She wasn't pretty much welcome, you know. And all of the holes that were filled with these nuts and bolts were the closed entrances and exits for her getting home and the people getting out. And then all of a sudden I've gone like, Fucking hell! How has she said all of that with this fucking colander from under the sink and yeah. a, a bag of nuts and bolts in the shed? You know, and then that sort of unlocked that conceptual key.
1: And yeah, then I'm looking at maybe. the rest
2: of this artwork from a different angle. You know, that's, and yeah, I started looking why? at it, and then bang, it, overnight, I wanted to be a conceptual artist, and that's pretty much what I call myself now. a uh, uh, I, I, I refer to myself yeah. as a born again that's artist true. because it happened pretty much overnight. You know.
3: No, that I yeah, it's like yeah, when sensation happened, I never saw it in the flesh either. I was still living in Cardiff, and I'd never been to London, but I saw the the images, and it, it was like someone had opened a door in my head that I never knew this. But yeah, it was it was that's when I what I was obsessed with, and even now I think when I go around galleries, sometimes it's so like it's like a it's almost quasi religious experience. I get so high definitely. on like people's ideas, yeah. like seeing how, seeing how people's imaginations work and seeing something original. I sort of get like, I just get so excited to see how their mind works and how it's translated into an object or whatever it is. Or it's, um. I remember seeing that image of Sarah Lucas, the one with the fried eggs and stuff.
2: Brilliant. Yeah. I think it was just called two fried eggs, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, that sounds about right. In the chair, leaned back like that. Yeah, sort of just maybe with a fag on, maybe. Yeah, probably. And um, I think I was about 16. I'd never seen, I'd never seen women, like, behave like that. It's not, not like, like it. I had any female...
2: It, it's how, I presume, you'd always wanted to sort of react and, and live your own life.
3: And yeah, it was like permission to... to I just don't think I'd really encountered many... You know it wasn't like a particularly feminist household or anything like that and it what there weren't any particularly like you know female teachers that were talking about this kind of stuff i just remember seeing these images and it and i was thinking these women aren't behaving in in you know they're behaving like men what, what's like going centrinians
2: have grown up
3: yeah it was really um yeah it was just it was just incredible in a way it was sim- like round about a similar time is when I first saw like Brass Eye and Day to Day it yeah, was a yeah. similar thing seeing Chris Morris stuff it was just like I, I had no idea that that adults behave like this I just assumed that you get to about 18 and then that's it you just have to stop being silly or whatever yeah. because some of that um and I remember having a book when I was about sorry I'm jumping on. when I was about right. 17 I got that book called Matthew Collings book about modern art I had yeah, yeah, by yeah. my bed and I remember there were a couple of things in there that were so funny. There was like a finger, the sculpture of a finger just standing up on its own. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, like these artists are like, if I met them, we'd have the same sense of humor. And I, it's, it kind of blew my mind that this art was so funny. And there was a relationship there between, yeah, like, you know, just how you make art and and surreal comedy and well, that was i've got amazing. to say
2: i i listened when i first got into to podcast i like funny you know in whatever form and i found um stuart Goldsmith. Yes. yeah
3: yeah yeah no, yeah he's and, great um, yeah he's listened great. to
2: hundreds of his podcasts okay. and when i oh, listen to good. the comedian explaining how they devise a gag yeah it is exactly the same how yeah. I think about devising an artwork. You yeah. start off with with like a feeling, and then yeah. you try to sort of, I, I would try to show that feeling in a 3D mm. form. Whereas, yeah. and, and that is the punchline is the 3D form. And yeah, so it's like
3: a mini journey. It's exactly the same. You're sort of setting out that you kind of want the audience left with this feeling, or you kind of want the audience, you want to give them that, you don't want to give them this. How much are we going to give them? Yeah,
2: and then, yeah exactly that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, it, and it, the, the parallels are amazing. The only difference is, as I say, my punchline is 3D and not yeah. funny. I love um, that. <laughs>
3: and, <laughs> yeah. Even yeah, if no, I'm that, trying
2: to make it funny.
3: That, that Absolutely, that makes complete sense. Like, yeah, when I see, yeah, particularly with the 3D thing, when I see it, like, you go, okay, so they've probably gone through that thought process, that, pro- that thought process, and this is it, and... I can see the thought process and it's amazing. Yeah. yeah.
2: Because the thought yeah. process of an artwork and a gag, like the gag, the thought process of a gag isn't funny. It's trying to figure out how to make it funny. And same as the thought process of a, an artwork yeah. isn't sort of, in, in, you know, sort of visually intense. You're trying to make it that. And yeah, the parallels are
3: Yeah. Are do amazing. you think you have the thing in art, do you, does this ever cross your mind though when you're like, because sometimes I think, when I'm writing comedy, there's always that thing of we go. Has someone else done that though? I'm sure I've heard that. Like, okay, well, let's put a tw- let's make it different. Let's put a twist on it. When you're th- when you're making art, it- does any part of you go, oh, hang on, is this original? Like, has someone done this? Is this original. Is this too similar to so and so's? Like, you know, can? Yeah, but then that's where
2: um, speaking to friends comes out because a lot of the time, exactly what what you say, you think, has someone done this before? And I yeah. don't know. A- I met an artist um online a couple of years ago. I saw her artwork and it was exactly the same as mine. yes yeah, mine was made like six years before for my, yeah. f- for my um third year at least show you at were before. That's your <laughs> you're right. No but, no, but she she'd never seen me or heard of me. Yeah. Um it was the same, it was boxes. M- mine was um stolen items that I got people to to pilfer from work, you know, a pack of post-it notes <laughs> or a pen. But I'm st- saying that they're still a thief. And she built up this set of boxes and put images in from her past and invited people to swap the objects. Yeah, it was the same oh, yeah. colour, the same size. It was quite amazing. It's,
3: uh, so, it's like that thing, isn't that Jungian thing of like universal symbols and images and that we're all somehow tapping into this one imagination?
2: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard to come up with anything original, but.
3: Uh, unconscious influences are really interesting because i think there's i feel like a lot of artists um you know a bit like this sort of really obvious shit example but Magritte and the sheet over the head
2: yeah
3: i think didn't he find his mother's body with a sheet over the head you know I this idea know. that all all like writers and artists are sort of telling the same story over and over again subconsciously like it is scary how there are a couple of things from my childhood that I think I always come back to is like it's like my influences yeah, haven't the you the changed when I was like seven yeah yeah it's like the same sort of things still seem to like light up bits of my brain and yeah there's influences that I'm not really I also think there's a scary thing sometimes when um, I think when you're writing for telly that you realize that you you've just seen so much that you know the language of telly without having to think about it. And it's almost harder to not think in TV cliches because it's like, it's so hard to write for telly and think and be in any other world, but in the world of TV you've seen, that makes
2: sense. That's, it. that's because it is all encompassing, isn't it? You're, you're, yeah. You've gone into that world. Everything I see is art now to me. Yeah. You know, every conversation I have, I'll be thinking of an artwork, how to make that conversation, 3D, yeah, to relay it as an object, you know, no matter what it is, and uh, it does it does your fucking brain in sometimes, you know.
3: That's brilliant, though. I think, like, you know, what what that's a great way to see see the world. I can't think of a better way than to <laughs> do it like that.
2: Do you know Sarah Maple? Oh, I mean, I've heard the name. I don't know her personally. She, she just made an, an artwork in the form of a sitcom.
3: Oh my god, heaven!
2: It's I on, love her. It's on that. Sky Arts. It's called um, Sarah Maple's sexy nazi shark show honestly. do you know
3: what that reminds me of two when was it two years ago, so i got i went to the biennale in venice the the latest one Thank which was know. like dream come true i mean i was so excited and it was incredible and i talk about it for another 10 minutes but um in the in the british pavilion ed is it ed atkins yeah. is that his name so he added it. I loved his room so much. It was so funny. But he had this one thing that really made me laugh. There was a lot of stuff that made me laugh. And that's a weird thing. Like, me and my friend who I went with, we were like pissing ourselves laughing at some of the stuff, as in, like, on its side. But people were looking at us like, it's that like, weird thing of like, are you meant to laugh so much yeah. in our gallery? It was so joyous. But he, he had like fake film type, he had like um, a video installation which was just film titles. <laughs> as if you'd just seen a film and then there was this weird animation happening underneath it but I was like that is such a great idea just just making titles it was just oh I loved it I loved it 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 was was quite cinematic yeah I mean it's funny it's weird isn't it because um I, I I really like I really want both because I also went into rooms where I was you know profoundly moved and felt like that like it was incredibly sad. Like it is sort of like I'm going there because I want a break from comedy because sometimes it's a bit like stifling like ha hey, ha hey, hey, everything has to be so funny. And you're a bit like nah sorry life isn't actually funny. So I also really don't want comedy but occasionally um I'll see something which is so like there was this installation called called flip and I think they were called flip and flap or flip and flop. And it was like a an imaginary double act. That this artist and I think he, I think it was Norway or Sweden. It was like all these little figures moving, and they had little stories. I might have
2: thought. I, I, I went there. The one and only time I've been there was the last time it was on.
3: Oh, okay. So you know when you go in and there was like two, you went in. It was really near to where the um, the British one was, and uh, it was like two figures behind bars, and
2: then there yeah. Was like, yeah. That thing. It was almost to do with prison. That one wasn't it.
3: Yeah, and yeah. and there was a little booklet that told That's you about these, like a like a sort of haunted village of characters. I found
2: that so funny, Yeah. See when they started moving. What nationality was that? I, I I don't know, but I was thinking it was South American. But I'm oh,
3: but the other thing about that was the robot arm by the two Chinese artists, well, the one painting. clearing up blood. Did yeah. you see that one? Amazing. I stood there for, I mean, I'm not kidding exactly. about four to five it's minutes. It was absolutely stunning. And then they also, those same artists did the one which was just a foot of a statue and it had that like whipping vacuum cleaner type thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Did you go into the Israeli one, which was a doctor's waiting room? can't remember that. You had to get a like ticket great. for it. Oh no, I didn't. We were really disorganized. We <laughs> were just
3: like, I also think, um, I feel like I'm going to say her name wrong, but um, I think she's called Zanelle Muholi or Zanelli Muholi and she did these incredible self-portraits that were like I'm going to show you the picture because you'll know the
2: image but she was amazing it was the image of black lady yeah great big yeah. a massive one and it was yeah, up quite you, high
3: yeah huge and she's got a lot of like combs uh, in her yeah, hair
2: as soon as you said it I was I had that in my mind
3: she I thought that was incredible and I think I read that she was meant to be going to the Tate, and then obviously the pandemic happened. But I wonder if people are—it feels like people have been like been more creative in the pandemic. That seems to be like a thing that's happened.
2: Well, a lot of people being at home more, yeah. having that little bit of extra time to do what they.
3: What piece that you've
2: created has got the strongest emotional connection. Do you reckon?
3: Well, it's funny because to me, like because I'm writing more. And it's kind of personal and I treat it in the same way as, you know, I see it as a form of art because I'm kind of trying to create a piece out of thoughts and feelings, but it's just, a, but it's, you know, a different medium because I've written about really personal stuff. That's been the most obvious, the most revealing, I guess. Yeah. And personal. So it's definitely that, but I think, See, the problem is I I, I have a real, um, this isn't really the answer, but it's, it's, a, it's an yeah. answer. <laughs> the, um, the problem I have, and I don't know what the answer is, or if you know what the answer is, but like, whenever I'm doing artwork, I basically at the moment still have this real arsehole critical voice in my head oh, that says, what are you doing? You already have a job. you're You're a really average painter. Like, why are you doing, why are you doing this? Like, what's this for? And I think there's so much I should be doing today. I've got to do this. I've got to do this admin. I've got to, do this. like, I I just don't. Because actually, what made me think was that I don't have that emotional connection. Isn't all it's blocked by the sort of arsehole that's going, oh, well, start again or you know, do do something else kind of thing. It's like I feel like a real wannabe artist. That...
2: Do, I was going to say, do you think that where you're <laughs> where you're doing a lot of writing, which obviously takes up a lot of your time and your yeah. creative mind if you stop that to do artwork do you think one part of you sees that as sort of play time and you're yeah. playing yeah.
3: I, I don't mean to sort of devalue well, if it is it, it's also maybe because like this piece of writing I've been paid to do it we've we've signed a contract you know it, it's happening it's done but when it comes to artwork it feels like no one's no one's paying me to do it. Like, there's yeah, no yeah. one out there waiting for this amazing thing. Creative procrastination, yeah it's, just, yeah. it's just me and, like, you know, whatever it is, a pencil or a bit of cardboard, just being like, oh, I really want to make something. And um, it, my, my friend said it really well the other day, who is an emerging artist. They're an illustrator, really. And he said it's about taking yourself, trying to take yourself seriously. It was really difficult.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm, I've never done that. I've always been... The jokey bloke in, yeah. in the gang, you know.
0: And yeah. Then, what
3: was that like for you? Like the point where you're okay, like where you were, like, all right, I'm actually can call myself an artist. Like, was that difficult well, to be like, this is what I do?
2: I don't know how much of my story you know, other than me being in jail and getting into art. I mean, stop yeah. me if you've heard this. I I knew nothing about conceptual art. So um,
3: when library. you went into prison, there was no interest in it in, in whatsoever. art at all. No, wow. Whatsoever.
2: Yeah. I've often said I've always been creative. Yeah. I've never really created anything. I've had the creative mind, mm-hmm. but, you know, I've never done anything sort of physical. Yeah. And I didn't know, I wanted to know more about this because I, I properly fell in love with it overnight and yeah. I wanted to feast on it, you know, but there was nothing that I could have. I wrote to 32 of them artists who were in that book or featured in the book um, or, or who were even mentioned in some of the written work hoping that I would get at least one reply put at the end of every letter. If it's of any consolation, my offence was neither sexual or um, violent, although I could have been a crazy rapist for all anyone knew, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. And it was at a time, Katie, when I wanted to change from my life of crime. Yeah. I wanted to be an artist, but no one who sounded like me, from my background, I thought, was an artist. Everyone yeah, I it knew, wasn't like an option, uh, give presenters an option. No, I mean, it was all white middle class men yeah, yeah. who spoke like poets, you know, and that's Definitely. how I saw an artist. Yeah. And there was, like, you said about Sarah Lucas, who was the first artist to reply to me. Oh, way.
3: wow, that's amazing. And
2: these were people oh, who awesome were, a, all right, they were a few years older than me, but they had attitude, they weren't, yeah how I saw an artist to be, you know... They were anti-establishment, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that sort of appealed to me. And uh, I'd read in this catalogue that a few of them had backgrounds similar to mine. Everyone I knew was a criminal. If they wasn't a criminal, they was okay with crime. You know, they'd buy ocky stuff, you know. So And that's all I've ever known. And I wanted to get away from that. And then all of a sudden, all of these artists have wrote to me one at a time. The first was, was Sarah Lucas. Second was Gavin Turk. Um, and then I, went on and on and on. You still got the letter, the replies. So, yeah, I've got all the letters, but not only did they reply to me when I wrote back and said, thank you very much. A couple of them carried on writing, pushed me towards my degree. So they pulled me away from crime, this load of artists that I didn't know. Um, and then like um, you should contact this artist. He's a whatever gallery um his work you'd like his work so I'll contact this artist and then after a while Katie I'd get letters from artists I hadn't even fucking written to. And they're saying oh, I was <laughs> with so and so. Yeah, I was with so and so in the in the bar or in the cafe, you know, and they've mentioned you, I thought you might like my work. And they'd send me stuff as well. And I got 14 years. Fucking um man. so I had to do seven so, out of that. And so was it me,
3: that tutor that in particular that got you yeah interesting amazing. Yeah.
2: Do you think he saw something
3: in you? Like you've
2: you've the spark of well that's the thing. I think the thing that got it was I was looking for something. I was I was a lost soul in there, yeah. you know. I didn't want to do crime and I was living with you know fucking million criminals. We had to do this little um drawing exercise. And it was shit because I didn't know how to draw. He showed me uh, how to observe and, you know, that sort of thing. Bear in mind, he he told me about three or four different ways and the first few didn't work. And all of a sudden, he showed me a way of doing it that clicked. And then the next exercise was find a a portrait in a magazine and then draw it. And it was supposed to be a two-hour exercise. And I started drawing it. He showed me how to draw an eye. And when I've done it, it looked like a bloody eye. But not yeah, only did yeah. it look like an eye, it looked it's like so the s- eye I was trying to draw. You know? <laughs> it's so satisfying when something looks like the thing. Well, I took it back to myself, and I'd, all over the weekend, I spent, I don't know, 16 hours on this bloody pencil portrait, bearing in mind I'd never done one before. And it was, do you was know, a, Stephen um, Burkov, the actor? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was Bobby Stephen Burkoff, who's a yeah. very sort of demanding figure anyway. Yeah. And I've come back in, and I had... This um, artwork, this drawing on a bit of A4 paper, to my chest, and Dougie, his name was the tutor, and uh, as I walked in the class, I went Dougie, and then I've turned the thing round like that to show him his portrait, yeah, and he just looked at me or looked at the portrait, and then his eyes glazed over, and then wow. I, I just sort of had this bit of ex- not acceptance. I can't even. I'm sorry, I don't know enough fucking words to even.
3: No, no, I know, just,
2: I know what you mean. He, he, he just it was just like it you was knew you'd so done pleased. something yeah. well and, and yeah i was like a little lap dog you know what validation I mean? yeah yeah god yeah, just seeing his face, and and i just thought well I've, I've just found something i'm good at because the only thing i was good at before was crime and well i was doing a fucking 14 year sentence so i proved i was no good at that either
3: <laughs> were other people around you like was did anyone else go on a similar journey of like oh i've i've discovered something that I actually... Uh,
2: there was a few of them to... in there that did. One in the art class did. He was more into music. Um, yeah, yeah. He was he was doing a lot with art as well. And um, he served 12 years and then got found not guilty. Fuck. Yeah, him, Fuck. Well, his, his partner, or partner, his co-defendant, they both got done for these murders. And his co-defendant is now, um, he now does um, Weld's Toughest Prisons. His name's Raphael Rowe. Okay. He was his co-defendant.
3: Was it like, a, were you kind of keeping it private, was like a private thing that you wanted to do this? Was there any kind of like, I'm telling it, were you like telling everyone, oh, I, I'm going to become I, I, was,
2: an I was properly immersed into it. Like, uh, all again? Yeah, I was... It's I was,
3: so funny, like, it, it's uh, it's obviously not like similar, but like my dad, he grew up like in Merthyr Tidville, like, you know, just real rough area. And um, he wants to be an actor from a young age, but, and he was working on a building site, and he just never... He was too embarrassed to tell anyone, because I think, you know, uh, a building yeah, I, site I, I, in 1970s in Merthyr Tidville, he sort of felt like people would just take the piss out of him. And he just never, he never got over that, that thing of this is, yeah. you know, he was embarrassed by, which was a shame because he never really went for it.
2: Well, yeah, I, I was aware that it would hold me back if I didn't. And I'd tell all my, all my sort of, I mean, I was, I was a different person then. But, you know, um, there's
3: people that you just think if you just found this thing, you'd be fine. I just really wish other other people could find this thing. That's
2: what I'll, I'll go into prisons now, and I try to, to do just that because yeah. it only took that little bit of wanting, and then it's just finding the, the key to make you change, you know. And I'll go into prisons now, or I'll go in as, a, as an artist and show them my artwork, but I say to them, like, while you're setting yourself for 23 and a half hours draw paint even just sit there thinking about something creative because yeah. there is so much talent in there so much it's frightening it's
3: it's ho- you know, like like it's it's hor- I've always thought that was a really horrible term you know like when they say like they used to use that term outsider art that was like really it's like a horrible really patronizing thing yeah, to say they, they've what started
2: to, to call it something else now yeah oh good cuz i want see it because it means you're outside of the constraints of the art world because you've done it off your own back.
1: So yeah, if you have, yeah. you know,
2: if you haven't gone to university or art college, you are an outsider artist. But then Francis Bacon didn't go to college, you know. And there's plenty of massive artists. Jeremy Della I don't think, did initially.
3: Did he not? Yeah. It's um it's funny, like my um I went to Warwick uni and we it was like a performance art studies degree, performance studies, but we in the in the third year like we did a lot of live art performance art and that was my other like and that's what I that's what I wanted to do i was like i want to be marina abramovic because i knew i loved performing and it's like it was a marriage of it was like i love making images yeah. but i also loved being able to emote and using my body and stuff but i i wasn't like oh i'm going to go and do stand up comedy i was really you know black neck smoking rollies really really like this is what I want to do I want to do performance art, and I've still got a couple of mates who who like go around Europe performing and um but I remember like I've got one mate you know it's quite hardcore he does like like it's almost like Franco B type really hardcore like so one of my mates is Dominic Johnson his name is he's really good mates with Franco B and um, so I've met him a couple of times via my mate who's also a performance artist yeah like at uni we it was like people like Vito Acconci, Franco B that whole scene was yeah I was really in love with it and uh, we we performed this little performance art collective and we sort of tried to do stuff and uh, looking back it was kind of awful but um, yeah like at sort of 21 I was like I left uni being like oh I'm just gonna make performance art and Cardiff or something. So it's just weird how things worked out. But um I can't remember why I started talking about it. But um yeah, like the Franco B stuff, like it's so weird. Like now when I look at it as an as a grown-up, I sort of go, Oh, it's too extreme for me now. (laughs) Like, Like back then I sort of was like, Yeah, this is like real. And now I'm a bit like, oh, where'd you get get the energy? I mean, that was, oh, what was the guy actually? Have you ever seen the the printing press guy? It's because he had, I don't think it was, it was someone else. There was a guy who, he was HIV positive and he did a installation where he made like a cut on his back. And then lots of people were printing, were kind of making a print out of the cut with okay. pieces of paper. And then he hung the piece of paper above the audience. And I guess it was a time where people were so fearful and there was so much misinformation. And so I think the idea was that it was somehow, he was trying to be provocative and being like, look, I'm hanging my, yeah. bl- my infected blood over your heads. Like he was trying to freak out. And then the audience would leave, you know, people would leave and stuff. Um, I wish I could remember what that guy's name. And at the time, I'm sure I would have had an answer, but now I definitely don't even have the language to sort of decipher what, what's good from. I remember a really bad thing that me and my, like when I was about 20, me and my friend, we devised this piece of this performance piece. <laughs> and looking back, it was so ridiculous. We, were, we had Maybe she borrowed a video camera from her dad. And the idea was we'd go up to people in the street and film them and, be, and just say like, how do you feel about the fact you're gonna die? <laughs> you can uh, imagine that like you're walking down the street <laughs> and you're in business someone some little brat asked you that and shoves a video <laughs> and at the time we were like yeah 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 this is really amazing we're just gonna go up to people and say you're gonna die
2: but in the moment <laughs> in the moment it was working wasn't it
3: yeah in the, mo- in the moment it was like uh, it was important
2: thought, at the moment yeah we thought it was incredible how about if there was you and five other artists past and present what would your ideal group show be? Oh my god! Would well, you know what? Funny enough,
3: do you know David Hoyle? He he's um, a performance artist, but it's kind of also kind of a bit like cabaret, like avant-garde cabaret or whatever. No, I don't think and that. he he occasionally, I think he's so funny. He does stuff in Manchester Vauxhall Tavern. He was doing stuff, but anyway, he's 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 brilliant. And um, I think he did a sort of thing in the Tate where he sort of sang anyway so i'd i if i'm allowed even though he's a he's flesh i'd have him in there <laughs> cuz he's amazing i'm trying to think it would be a real mix of um when i like nostalgia and then what i like now because so i, I when i was a teenager i was i was like obviously obsessed with anything all the, all the surrealism stuff that was like a big thing i was into i've always loved um paul Arego. Nice. She'd be in there. Um, and I've always loved Emin, actually. Have you ever read her? Um, is it called Shadowlands, the autobiography? I, I have no. Got it just over there. I'll send it to you if you want. It's, ama- it's quite a hard read. It's like heartbreaking, but it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, I think she's amazing. So, yeah, I have Emin. I've had, I've had David Hoyle. I might even have Hockney, you know. He's I know it's funny. quite traditional, but um, I do think they're amazing. Especially like you know the stuff he's done recently, like those crazy landscapes. That, what and, iPad. Um, yeah, I love all that. <laughs> um, Paula Rego, I've always loved. Um,
2: Talking about miniatures. I'm... Sorry, sorry. To in again. I do this a lot. Um,
3: no, no,
2: Paul Arrigo, Um yeah. her son-in-law. Do you know Rom Muick?
3: Yes, That's yes. I love him. I'd have him. He's I love his stuff. When I, I saw that exhibition in um, in Edinburgh and it was so moving. Anish Kapoor I've always loved.
2: Yeah.
3: Maggie Hamling I've always loved. I've half listened to that one that you've done. It's incredible. She, in fact, weirdly, she was in the audience of a David Hall performance once. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, she's so scary. Oh, no, I could tell, I could tell that she liked you because I feel like you sort of were disarming and put her at ease. And I, I have her as my last one, actually. Also, I imagine... Um, as a, a woman artist, especially when she was dying out, it's probably good to be. You had to be forceful, probably.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, she was in. She was in the company of a lot of very strong characters, like Francis Bacon. You know, she was pals with him, and he was a, quite an overpowering character. Yeah, and, um, he was troubled, she wasn't was, he? He was very. Have you seen
3: much- that great. Phil, that great documentary about him. There's one. There's someone quite well-known interviewing him, isn't there? There's that one, which was...
2: Melvin, there's a good one with Melvin Bragg. Yes, Craig. that's the one I think I mean. he's quite a lot, and he's knocking drinks yeah. over and stuff like y- yeah, that.
3: Yeah, 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 that one. is quite old, and they're sat at the table quite a lot talking. That, that, was, that was quite sad in a way, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. If he wasn't within the arts, what it you think you'd like to do?
3: That's tricky, because... It's like I've always been doing what I am now. It would just be like, it would be like, you know, any alternative would just be another art form. Oh, well, I would do this. You know, like when I was little, it was when I was a teenager, I was like, I wanted to be a fashion designer for ages. And also my mum was, um, she was, uh, she used to do the sort of admin for this sort of dance company. They were like contemporary dance companies. So one of, some of my earliest memories were watching like dancers rehearse and, I used to be like, oh, that's what I want to do, but um, but that's not that's the question. What would I do? I think like gen- I can't even think of a job that isn't in the arts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. Um, is that You're really sad? I'd be a librarian. It's is that in the arts? It's yeah. Good really
2: enough answer. It's still in the. <laughs> but- no, there must be. I mean, what would I do? But- I would. <laughs> It's, well, it's it's facilitating. It's a job that facilitates the arts, isn't it? I'm trying
3: yeah. to challenge myself to some. I mean, got the gar, is gardening the
2: arts. I could be a. I do do some gardening. It shows how much of a an arty person you are. You're a yeah. A, I can't everything to mechanics. Are they artists? Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Pilot. Is that is that?
2: Art? Oh, there's
3: someone at the door. Hang yeah. on. Wait there a sec. Sorry, they knocked and then they actually just left it there anyway. So I ah, didn't need to be there. It's going to
2: be a bit knocked down, Ginger. <laughs> um, how can anyone see your artwork, Katie, be it um, online or social? Well,
3: um, I might need to do some more, <laughs> is the answer. Well, on Instagram, really. I might set up a website if you've put a few bits on there. But at the moment, it's just my Instagram, I'd say, which is really Katie Wicks. I think that's my name on there my books coming out in which is a sort of collection of stories is coming out on April the 15th um
2: it's my birthday
3: oh really that's a good sign <laughs> sorry I know I'm I don't mean to plug but I thought I'd just mention it of anyway course. um yeah it's a series of sort of stories like little like little mini essay but kind of lots of like you know just personal writing about like things that have happened to me a lot to do with kind of the, going through loss and uh yeah things like that it's called delicacy and uh yeah that's kind of it really that's me Well,
2: okay, that's all my questions asked <laughs> thank you very much for your time I really, oh i really appreciate it. it sorry to have rabbited on too much i'm famous no no
3: it. no it's really refreshing it's really it's so nice to talk about this stuff which is genuinely really interesting that's one of my um i don't know if you can see it. that's one of my dad's paintings that one there the, the big one Yeah, the big one. Screen. Yeah, sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was was
3: so stupid of me. (laughs) That (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: was.
3: That's one of my. That's one of my grandfather's. Yeah. That's one of my dad's land wintry landscapes.
2: Nice.
3: Which is great. Anyway, and it's a great. It's a great color wall. You've got to admit. Great
2: to chat and, and um, you, I hope our paths will cross again. Oh, I loved it.
3: Nice to chat with you. Have a good evening.
2: There you go, Katie Wicks. How much fun was that? And just before I forget, Katie mentioned there about her new book. Well, it's a memoir called Delicacy and it's available to pre-order on Amazon and, um, well, the internet. But yeah, Katie's visual art journey was quite a fascinating one. And if you go over to her Instagram page, which is really underscore Katie Wicks, you'll see just how much of a pull she's got into the visual art world. In this episode, we also mention the Royal Academy. And the Royal Academy is a link to next week's guest. He's a well renowned art historian, writer and curator, whose four-month exhibition at the Royal Academy, Francis Bacon, Man and Beast, should have opened in January 2021, but because of lockdowns, The Royal Academy have postponed it until next year. And there isn't a person better informed about the work and life of Francis Bacon than next week's guest, Michael Pepiat. Because as well as being Francis Bacon's friend, he was also his biographer. And it was another one I was oh so intimidated to press record. But anyway, that's all next week. Like I say every week, on whichever platform you listen to this podcast you should be able to leave a comment. If you could do that, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. If you've got any queries, drop us a line on social media, at ministryofartsorg. If you're enjoying these episodes, spread the word of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're not, well, fuck you, you won't be listening to this bit anyway. And those of you that are, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta-da!